there's no quarterbacks that I've seen besides Brady that I can think of that take less cash. So when there's big news off the field in the NFL, there's only one person I call. That is Andrew Brandt. He hosts the Business of Sports podcast, which is by far the best sports business podcast that's out there. If you like the off-season stuff, if you like contracts, if you like trades, the draft, all free agency, all of that stuff, you simply must subscribe to the Business of Sports podcast to get Andrew's content every week. You can check him out on social media at Andrew Brandt. And for those of you listening on the Business of Sports podcast, please check out the Ross Tucker Football podcast if you don't already. Get it in part of your rotation. Thursdays we have Greg Cosell. It's daily. It's always 30 minutes or less. And we'll give you your, your football fix from the eyes of a former player um, when you're not listening to Andrew's show, which is excellent. And Andrew, I wanted to have you on to talk about the big Sean Payton trade, but we even have more news that broke this morning right before we started recording, and that involves Tom Brady, I think surprisingly, Andrew, deciding to retire, and he says for good this time, after 23 years in the NFL, with him saying this time it's for good, I really personally don't envision him coming back this time. How about you? I believe him. I believe him. Last year was weird, as we remember. Same day, Russ, February 1st, same day. Uh, he didn't make the announcement, but someone else sort of made it for him through sources. And then there was a video and he just kind of sensed it wasn't done then. But now it's short, it's sweet, it's 53 seconds on social media. I believe it. Yeah, I believe he's done. And, uh, you know, the accolades are going to be out there, Ross, the Super Bowls, the records, whatever it is. What impresses me so much, and you and I talk a lot about my goal to stay young, uh, is his sheer longevity. It's You know better than anyone. The average lifespan in this sport is three and a half years, less than three years, whatever it may be. He played 23 years and not just played, played at a high level, the highest level, and leaves as one of the top quarterbacks in the league, leaves as that at 45 years old. So it's kind of like I remarked when Serena left the sport earlier this year or last year, because 20 something years at an elite level in the highest echelon is just amazing. What you have to do to your body, what you have to do, prepare every single year for that long. And I'm amazed at that. Everyone's going to talk about the records and all that. But that just sticks with me, his sheer longevity in the sport. You know, it's funny, Andrew. I think about like those like Frank Thomas commercials where the guys are losing testosterone in their 40s. So they take whatever, whatever pill that Frank Thomas is. All I can tell you is. It is incredibly – now, I work out probably 10 times a week. Mm. I try to eat pretty healthy. Now, 
when I'm, you know, traveling, I indulge in uh, food, like in these press boxes, obviously. Yeah. And I do like to drink beer, which, man, those things have a lot of calories. Those IPAs I drink, that's the killer. I would look like Andrew Brandt if I didn't drink so many IPAs. I'd have that six-pack that Andrew has in his 60s, which is just unbelievable, by the way. Um, I have my downfalls, Ross. Yours is beer. Mine is kind of red wine and chocolate. So uh, we all have no, but my But my point is there's just a gigantic difference between metabolism, strength, um, recovery from mid-20s when I played yeah. to mid-40s where Tom is now, which I, I just think it's insane. I mean – I, I try to lift pretty hard. I'm nowhere near where I was, you know, like, or if I have a big night out drinking, like it is a noticeable difference for him to have done that till 45 is just wild. Like whatever the TB12 method is, yeah, we all should probably be doing it. Well, as people know, Alex Guerrero has been his guy, his guru, his trainer, his counselor, and for all accounts, I don't know this to be exactly true, but it has lived with him and works him out two or three times a day with the plyo and with the flexibility training. And people can say, oh, yeah, it's easy to do when you have someone living. Yeah, it gives you an advantage and he spent his money on that. But still, uh, you know, and again, quarterbacks don't take the pounding that running backs and offensive linemen do. But the, I think the the bottom line, Ross, is most players, as we know, we've talked about this a lot don't retire, right? They are retired. So even to get to a point where you can voluntarily walk away, even if it's 23 years later, think about that. No one has said to Tom Brady, hey, come on, you know, nobody wants you anymore. Go home. That happens to what, 97% of NFL players. And even the fact that he has persisted at a high level. I know the Bucs weren't good this year, but he had some great you know, great records, even this year at age 45. Amazing. Um, you know, to my knowledge, Andrew, he really seemed like the only guy that pretty consistently did take less than what his market value would have been. And I know you've detailed that over the years that other guys say that other guys pay lip service to that, but, it's kind of documented, right? That he really, there were a number of years where he definitely took less than he could have gotten, correct? We talked about it. I've written about it. I've podcasted about it. Yes. There was a stretch of time. I don't know the exact numbers, but say the top of market for a quarterback was 25 million. He took 20 or 15. I mean, you and I talked about the one time where they bumped him up just with incentives, like they're making Tom Brady make like top five in five categories to get him up to a market rate. The time with New England is a mystery on money. And let's be clear what you just said, because so many people ask about this. Could Aaron Rodgers take less? Could so-and-so take less? Could so? Of course, they all take less cap, right? You move cap into the future. Brady's done that. There's going to be a huge dead money charge on the Bucks. Everybody does that. There's no quarterbacks that I've seen besides Brady that I can think of that take less cash. And as we go forward in the offseason, we'll talk about the difference between cap and cash. But get the point. Cap is accounting. Cap is accounting. Every quarterback does it. They push it out, right? 
cash is different. What's the money? What's the money? And Brady has taken less cash while moving cap for the Patriots. Not not with the Bucks, but with the Patriots. And that will stick around with us for a long time as well. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, Andrew. Just only one question about him yeah. this week. He made some comments uh, yesterday to Pat McAfee where he said something of like, sounds like those conversations are going on without me um, because there's been a bunch of reports about potential trade for Aaron Rodgers. I am really starting to get the feeling, Andrew, that the Packers would really like to trade him and move on to Jordan Love. I know we could spend the whole pot. I'll I'll just keep it to this one question. I think it's time. I think the Packers realize it's time. I think they're going to move to Love. I think the symmetry between Rodgers and Love is going to continue. Rodgers played three years as an apprentice. Love has played three years as an apprentice. Rodgers watched Favre get traded so he could take over. I think Love will watch Rodgers get traded so he could take over. It just feels like it. And again, I was wrong last year, so who knows? But it just feels like this is time for a separation. And finally, the contract. The contract has a big dead money charge this year if they move them, but it gets bigger and bigger after this year. So if they're going to move him, if he's going to retire, which I, now I don't think he is, uh, it's got to be this year. Um, I wanted to ask you as well yeah. about the big trade yesterday. We don't have this very often. But the Denver Broncos trading a first-round pick, and then they're trading a second-round pick that will be swapped with the the Saints' third to get Sean Payton and pay him upwards of $20 million. It's a rare thing in the NFL for a coach to be traded, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the move by the Broncos. Yeah, it's almost like a trade with a contract. So let's picture A.J. Brown going from the Titans to the Eagles last year. There were two parts to it. One, what's the compensation back to the Titans from the Eagles? Two, what's the money? So people look at the Broncos situation, seem to take a long time. That's not easy to figure out. So I initially thought, hey, giving up a one this year from the Saints, that's a lot. Then I realized it's the pick that originally came from San Francisco, which is now 29th in the draft. That's not, that's different, right? When you see the bottom of the first, that's different than mid or upper first. So maybe it's not such a stretch for the Broncos who get back a third next year, giving a second, whatever that's worth, maybe a third. Um, And I think it comes down to the obvious, you know, how good is Sean Payton? How can he turn around Russell Wilson? How can he revamp this franchise? And we'll find out. We'll find out. But, you know, now the reports are 17 to 20 million, which probably means year one, 17, year four, 20 million, something like that. Top of the market for a coach, you know, not 20 to 25 million, but it's up there. And I think we're going to find out, you know, if Sean Payton can do the magic he's done before. Um, It makes sense. And we'll see how it turns out. Isn't that, Andrew, where you can have a money competitive advantage? You know, they're the wealthiest owners in the sport now. Theoretically, right? They could go out there and pay more than anybody else for the best O-line coach, the best quarterback coach, the best coordinator. I mean, there is no salary cap for coaches. So if you want to get an edge 
with the money you have, isn't the coaching staff like the place to do it? I think it is. I mean, I think it's a good point. Not only coaches, but uh, equipment and things to give you a competitive advantage in the weight room and the recovery room, all kinds of people assisting all that. Yeah. And there's rumors that Vic Fangio maybe is not committed to Miami. Would money get him to Denver with Sean Payton? He's the great defensive coordinator. Those are the kind of things. And listen, I talk about this all the time. The NFL is built for competitive balance. That's why we have a draft. That's why we have the cap. But there's some things you can't prevent that competitively disadvantage or advantage others. And that's just hard, cold cash that the Broncos have. Yeah, a lot of teams couldn't get in the bidding for Sean Payton. And now you talk about all the other ancillary costs that are going to come along with it. You know, um, Andrew, I know there was a couple years there where you worked for the Eagles, did some consulting contract work. Uh, They have one of the best rosters I've ever seen. They're an extremely well-run organization. This is when everybody says, Homer, Homer, you work for them. You're a fan of them. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I'm sorry they don't stink. Like, you know, that that happens to be who I work for. Um, But you worked closely with Howie Roseman for a couple years. Um, I think it's kind of proven now that he's the best GM in football. What what did you notice about him then or or now that, that makes him so good? It's a great point. And like you, I be, I'm called Homer a lot, even though my number one team is the Packers. I live outside of Philly. And I've said this before, you look out my window about three blocks and there's the home of Howie Roseman. Uh, listen, I knew him. I've known him over 20 years. We came up together as capologists and contract negotiators. When I moved back to Philly, Joe Banner and Andy Reid brought me in because they were moving Howie to personnel from the cap contract site, grooming him to be general manager. So I got to work with him, not only just knowing him. And then, of course, I followed him here. Listen, I think Howie gives the Eagles a competitive advantage. The idea of a scout GM, I think, is antiquated when it comes to the business of the sport. Scout GMs have the background of bird dogging players and going to colleges and doing that since they were young. That's great. That works well in a draft room. That works well maybe picking out free agents. But there's a lot more that goes into being a general manager. Howie's background of negotiating cap and contracts and extensions for players and being really good at it has given them a real advantage. You look out at these trades, the one with the Saints where they got an extra number one this year. It's going to be the 10th pick in the draft the way they negotiated Hassan Reddick's contract versus these other edge rushers, Jordan Malata's contract versus other left tackles. Oh my God. And the way he's maneuvered around these trades, it's something that's given them a roster that is hard to beat. We've said it since September. They're the team to beat. And I still believe it. And I'll believe that in the Super Bowl. So yes, this is a stacked roster. He deserves a lot of credit for coming through here with the problems he had with Chip Kelly and everything else he has maintained. And I think, Ross, you can comment on this. I think we're now past the bias. There was a bias against guys like Howie drafting and being general managers. Like you need a scout, right? You need this old line, hard scout. I think we're getting past that. He's proven that. And then, I know I've, I've heard some of the stories before, but obviously 
you've known Andy Reid on the other side for a long time as well. He was part of who brought you in to do those contracts, but you knew him even before then. Quick story about Andy. It involves a f- close friend of mine, friend of yours, named Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> okay. So this is while Andy Reid is with the Packers in 1998. I couldn't get Matt Hasselbeck, my client, as an agent, invited to the combine. I couldn't do it. I couldn't get him invited. So I hold a one-day tryout at Boston College where he went. I invite every team in the league, Ross, all 32 teams. I got one RSVP. One. It was Andy Reid, the quarterback's coach from the Green Bay Packers. He said, I want to come. I want to see him. I like him. I said, great. I'll pick you up at the airport. We'll go over to BC and watch the workout. He's like, great. I had never seen Andy Reid. <laughs> I drive a little sports car at the time. And this man walks out from the airport and says, hi, I'm Andy Reid. And oh my God, Ross, the way I had to maneuver my little sports car and throw everything in the back and put the seat all the way in the back and stuff him in like a jack in the box. To get him over to the workout is something he'll never or I'll never forget. Anyway, we went over there. He loved Matt. No one else came. I said, hey, Matt, if you're going to get drafted, it's going to be Andy Reid and the Green Bay Packers. Sure enough, sixth round, it was. And during that year, just to follow up, Matt had a lot of offers to go elsewhere. You know, his practice squad for a while, a lot of teams after him. And we stayed up all night with Andy Reid one night. Like, listen, Andy kept saying, listen, I can develop him under Brett, under Favre. I can develop this kid. Don't leave. Convinced us. He convinced us. And uh, I think Matt would play 20 years, got to Super Bowl. And part of, part of that was the one year of tutelage, just one year under Andy Reid. So I think the world of the guy, um, I've known him since 1998. I think the world of him. Last question, Andrew. Do you really think that the, the neutral site championship games are coming? <laughs> it seems like you're, you're I don't say a proponent of it, but you're more outspoken, believing it's going to happen than anybody else out there. Well, it's, it's, I'm not selling it, which is proponent, I guess. I'm just saying the way I cover the business of the NFL, it just seems inevitable. And my evidence, Ross, is maybe it's bad evidence, but NFL PR doesn't tweet a lot. They tweeted out before that, hey, we've sold 50,000 tickets to the Atlanta neutral site KC Buffalo championship game. And I'm thinking, why are they doing it? Other than to piss off the Bengals. Why are they doing this? And they're showing the fabulous interest in a game that was never played. And I just think about the business part of it. Number one, you plan eight, 10 months in advance instead of four days in advance. And basically, people ask, well, what's the extra revenue? What's the extra? I say this. Think three Super Bowls instead of one. Think three Super Bowls instead of one every year. And the planning and activations and parties and hospitalities. And so I just look at the business of the NFL, and, and they've got to be thinking, hey, college football does it. What are we doing here? Like, let's do this. Not today, not next year, not the year after maybe, but that's my feeling. Absolutely love all of our conversations, Andrew. Please check him out on social media at Andrew Brandt. That way you'll see the articles he writes for MMQB. You'll make sure to get the Sunday 7 newsletter every week, which is fantastic. 
Um, love the Business of Sports podcast. Love that we do this simulcast every couple weeks, uh, which is awesome. Thank you so much, as always, Andrew. Love it, as always, Ross. Thanks.